Welcome to Mechie Nations, a critical rewatch and analysis podcast. I'm Stephen Hero. I'm going to take all this dry ice and become an ice cream man. I'm PMC Trilogy, and I have this podcast. What are you going to do to become a podcaster? <laughs> uh, I'm Ignis Maddox, and I invented the oxygen destroyer. And But now I wish it was on brand and also wanted to be an ice cream man. <laughs> did I take yours? Yeah, you did. Oh, Hell yes. Son this is what I pit. wanted. This is right. What are you going to do with this dry ice? Become an ice cream man? So, Ignis, what? you were discussing the tension between the idea of having mecha in games uh, that have a sort of horror element to yes. them, or survival element. Yes. Uh, and we were discussing this in the context just now of Dino Crisis 3, a That's game right. which I think none of us have played. No. <laughs> I've I mean, only laughed at con- Confession, okay. I have not played any of the Dino Crisis. Okay. You know who actually got their start on Dino Crisis? Shutakumi. It's Phoenix the Wright Phoenix Wright. Wright. I was going to say, I, I think knew Dino it was, Crisis okay. 2. It was the Phoenix Wright guy. Yeah, Dino yeah. Crisis 2. But I don't think he was... I don't know if he, he... I think he was a programmer. I don't yeah, think he, he was. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't much of a... Um, as I understand it, I know Dino Crisis 1 has some plot. I don't know. I think Dino Crisis 2 is more like a mercenaries mode, the yeah. game kind of. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. more of an arcade shooter, isn't it, in that way? Um, not in a bad way. I'm not. Right. It seems like people receive that warmly, uh, even though it's not like a plot game. But Well, I was, the reason I mentioned this was because I had recently been playing a PS1 1995 game, which I actually would say has sort of elements of horror and survival in it called a Kaliq Kiliak the DNA imperative uh, made by <laughs> by Genki and it's been interesting how much of the game so is, many unfamiliar words from yeah that. I know right uh, how much of the game really is about ammo conservation and you know sort of preserving your your resources because not only do you have health but you also have energy and as you lose energy uh, you get, you lose your ability to sense enemies from a distance. You lose speed uh, below a certain threshold. You can't use energy-based weapons. Uh, and so there's a real sort of you know sense of survival and what happens when you lo- run low on resources. Uh, and all the enemies... I mean, it's a 1995 PlayStation 1 3D game, so all the enemies are just sort of chunks of, of polygons. Right. But the, you know, the, the, the premise of the fiction is that these are all sort of... Uh, various mechanical and biological horrors that the evil Dr. Kim is is uh, put in your path. I'm of the age, especially in my early 30s, where I really am nostalgic for that PlayStation 1 aesthetic. Yeah, like Silent Hill has aged incredible. The first one, all, a lot of them have aged well, but Silent Hill 1, like just the graphics we're in that particularly well. We're in that, like, clean spit like I, i've been we've been obviously we've been jokingly bringing up my inuyasha marathon but like this is a thing that's happening right now like, right you, you could see it in that sort of discourse if you follow anybody who's into who's our age and is into that sort of content like i, I i'm i'm not imagining it a lot of people are talking about yeah inuyasha right now Mega yeah. Man legends one feed me that aesthetic. and, and yeah. yes and that 3d polygonal i i think in in the realm of survival horror is where you're seeing this the most yes this discussion of the playstation one aesthetic like I mean, parrot paratopic mm-hmm. uh, there's been a few others uh, i think there's more on the way that have this sort of low res uh chunky polygon there was look. that japanese indie game 1999 which got a lot of press just yeah. because in the time it was a, a japanese indie game and the indie scene has been growing but at the time it was very small right right so to cut back around to the topic of of empowerment and mecha and the mm-hmm. fraction of, of of horror the way you combat that is by that empowerment being your base state it's how you're able to like enter into this field right. at all and therefore it being kind of tenuous yeah like like something i i think is like a kind of interesting take on this even though this wasn't really the intent is in in zoning Enders 2 
um, Dingo is Dingo uh, is is literally attached to the Jehuti and he cannot leave it. He is like it is the opposite of empowerment in that way. It is how he is able to interact with the environment anymore. Um, it's sort of related to uh, I, I don't know if this is true a comic book Tony Stark, but certainly MCU Tony Stark has a little bit of that, right? Yeah, no, with for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a. I, I mean, I. I can't think of a specific run where that was a thing, but yeah. I'm positive at some with, point within the breadth of the history of Tony Stark, that was yeah. true of the character. Um, that's what's nice about comic books having the, the hundred year history that they have is right. Is that, it's that comic books actually resemble the long arc of oral tradition in a way that a lot of other media doesn't right now. Right, exactly. Um, but the so I, I think you can do it right. I, I think maybe um, what was it? Stay alive was that? What was it? What was the the un- unfortunate mech game that? Uh, uh, left, uh, alive. left alive, left alive, left alive. Staying um, alive is the disco version. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot the name. Um, but that I, I think is 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 approaching that by having the mech game, the mechs in that game be very temporary, right? Like by yeah, by being yeah. like, if you have it be tenuous, or if you're very survival, like that's how you have a health bar at all. Like then that's how you do it, right? Um, if you emph- use the mech to emphasize the vulnerability of our squishy right. flesh selves, yeah. that's how you do that. I, th- I think, yeah, and I, I think Kalik, with the energy meter especially, is an example of that, where, like, the energy meter, your battery can't fail. Right. That's the only thing keeping you from getting eaten alive, is that, and, and like, as you get closer to failing, things go wrong. Right. And I think it's actually pretty compelling. Yeah, I think a, a good... This isn't a mech thing, but a, a good thing that if someone was trying to make this that you could boil down into is uh, in in the Sonic games for the Genesis when you are approaching uh, your drowning state, a, a song starts to play, ah, and and if you if you use that as like a warning in a mech that you're you like that that sound would be like the ultimate tension, you know, and I think that's probably right. like what you were just describing that that sort of thing really is effective, yeah. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of um in amnesia when you're being hunted by one of the monster things. Yeah. Um. There the, the the music changes into this really punishing, oppressive, just like like a sort of accelerating noise kind of. And and I think that is where you can mix those two things, right? Where like mechanical inevitability mixes with like a sort of intending or uh what's the word I'm looking for, um uh exponentially growing sort yeah, of sound right, or right, harshness. Right, yeah. Evil Within 2 did this too because it took advantage of the mic on the PS4 controller so when Ooh. you were around some particularly spooky things the uh, one of her voices will come out of the speaker is an ooh it's creepy. Nope. 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 Or like I'm, the VMU on the Dreamcast controller with yes. the health bar things like oh, that. Oh boy. No VMUs. thanks. Mm-mm. Nope. Even scarier than horror movies. Yeah, I wish I could. Um, I wish I could translate the all the head shaking yeah, I'm doing. Right. I just want if everyone I could to stand know. for a minute. Left. I mean, not left. I was not certainly not left alive. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. within two, fantastic phenomenon. Yeah. I, I, I know wanna, you bounced off one PMC. I, I'll get around to two at some point. I know two is better than one. I've heard two is much better. Yeah. And, and well, I, at least really like the first ten hours of two. Yeah, yeah. And I think one like I have a soft spot for one, but one has this unfortunate thing, and and. Actually, you know what? One, uh, it's it's interesting to talk about Evil Within One because I think it is kind of related to the two episodes we'll be talking about today, at mm-hmm. least for me. In that Evil Within One is tough for me because it seems like the shape of something I think would be really interesting and good, but the reality of it is so hard to actually digest. Right. Like, it, and and I think like these these two episodes are very much that for me. I will say. 
you know, we're not quite out of the Marin yet, and maybe I should save this for the. I did like episode three. I think episode I three too. is my Ooh, favorite episode, episode of favorite episode of the series. Yeah. Well, okay, speaking we'll of there. episode three, I want to jump into a bit for my Marin. I saw Godzilla 2014 last uh-huh. night. Oh, for the first time. Yeah. I, oh. Uh, our mutual friend whose party we went to, we uh, he brought it over and we watched it. I loved it. Yes. Um, it's good. good. Yeah. I want to bring up the Last Jedi Discord for about 20 seconds. Oh, God. I uh, People... I'm getting into my skate pod. I want everyone to the know. The same people who <laughs> shit on Godzilla 2014 bring certain expectations to that, that I think a lot of Star Wars fans brought to The Last Jedi as well. Right. So I, I didn't know too many of the complaints before, because I really loved it. So I was curious. I had feelings about what people didn't like about it. But let me just start out with what I loved. Number one... The cinematography is phenomenal. The shots are paintings. Uh, Gareth Edwards, I didn't like Rogue One that much, but it looked good. I appreciate that. The yeah, space, maybe the space battle is cool to watch, especially at the end. Yeah. I, I would love to record like a twenty-minute side, like because I think we, you've you've come to the only table of anyone who d- didn't really love Rogue One. But anyway, yes, we, I agree. I think Gareth Edwards definitely had. I want to see monster. The monster or monster is the indie film that got him the Godzilla job in the first I place. Agree. But. I like Godzilla films for the sense of scale, Mm -hmm. Um, to see how the environment reacts to these big monsters. Mm. That's one of my favorite parts, and we get a lot of that in there. It's it's almost... It's not quite Cloverfield, because Cloverfield is a you know fictional documentary of sorts, right, which footage. I really like a lot, too. Mm-hmm. But there's this documentary feel about this 2014 film that I really like, to see how the environment responds, and how they see these creatures live in this world. I agree... Cranston's son has no personality. I yeah. get that. I, Quicksilver is not great. He was the, the weakest part for but me. But I don't sure. care because I, I really just like to see that environmental degradation over time. And yes. I thought it was really well choreographed. I liked how we barely saw Godzilla as well. I know I'm in the minority like that. I think no, the film I, has I a like real, that. I like it. I like it. Well, not to you guys, but yeah. in the grand, you know, the yeah. discourse, quote unquote. I, I, yeah, when you're, when you're done, I have, I have words on this, yeah. But it's almost like an art house sensibility. Not that the film had a lot to say. It had some things to say, but not like, you know, your typical art house film with quotes no. around yeah, it. Yeah, but. Yeah. I really like the sensibilities of the film. Uh, the soundtrack was great, and I'm very much looking forward to the new Godzilla film, even though I know it takes a detour. I also forgot they're building up their own MCU of sorts, yes. and I need to see Skull Island now. Yes, I think... I hear good things about it, too. Skull Island is a lot of fun. Um, I, I think that... Was that the one with Jack Black? No. no. Tom Hiddleston. Uh, oh! J- John Goodman's in it. Jackson. Oh, Peter. sorry, sorry, sorry. I was confusing. I was confusing John Goodman. Yes. I watched that f- film on a plane. On a plane. I it thought was, you enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it, it was seemed like t- it was a good time. Only time I ever liked John C. Riley. I really don't like that guy, but oh, he was good I in like Skull John Island. I John C. Riley. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the only time I've ever, like, like it sincerely laughed at the John C. Riley thing was the dick message in Guardians. I think that okay. was the. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, oh uh, yeah. He is in Guardians. That's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> yes, good. Yes, he is. No, you're right. You're right. Um, you're right. I'm not going to vouch for the film, but Talladega Nights is what, like, a 14 year old sure. made me laugh a lot. Yeah, no, there are bits in Talladega Nights that are extremely. No, he's Don't put in, that on my tombstone. I'm not. <laughs> There are bits from movies that John C. Riley has been in that have become mimetic for our friend group. Sure. Like the wrong kid died is from a movie that he's in. So he's done a lot of indie. He has a lot of indie cred. Tim and Eric, didn't he? Like, yes, yeah, exactly. He's you know he's in that crowd. Um, I okay. So one hundred percent Stephen Hero. I agree with everything you had to say about Godzilla 2014. It is a solid entry into the canon, quote-unquote, and I mean that in the literature sense, not the, like, it happened within the text of the story sense. Um, it is, like, a really competent entry into that sort of, here is 
nature, a, a very like comic book style of, of nature's reaction to mankind in its like you know uh, in a way that is fun to watch yeah. and and the 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 problem that people have with it i think a lot of people latch on and you touched on this latched on to the idea that godzilla is not really in the movie very much and that like that's the title of the movie blah 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 blah. I, so I, good for a build of tension yeah no i i think here's the thing I, I i think a lot of people have like internalized this sort of lesson that jaws g- gave that like the best way to maintain tension in your monster film is to not show your monster um, I, I think that really what people felt in Godzilla 2014 is one, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston kind of, um, he, he kind of robs the film because like he is so powerful in it. His yeah. one monologue, which they put in that trailer, by the way, is incredible. Like he is, and then he's not in the movie anymore for, for reasons. And it, it, and it really depend on relating to Elizabeth Olsen and the guy who played Quicksilver in Age of Ultron. Um, the most forgettable man in the universe. It's just like, you know, and he's just kind of... I don't of, want to slag on him, I'm just I, I sort of like, how do I put this? I sort of wish he would, just wasn't an army dude. I, I feel like it would have been easier if he was a guy or like in the, like, you know, if they wanted to put back to... Go, the American version of Gojira, Godzilla, if they made him into a journalist like the, the Matthew Broderick film? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I have, I've, I've forgotten almost everything. Well, but they were like hatchlings. I remember so they were hatchlings. In the Matthew Broderick film, like even this, if you wanted to go that angle, because like, in that he's a, he's a biologist, right? And that's why they bring him in, is because his specific field is one that is related to the the Godzilla creature in that movie and he also has a love interest character in that movie who is a journalist and who and is it? I I don't it it just doesn't matter there is a it, I think there was a a Puff Daddy tie-in song to that movie and a Taco Bell advertising that's the things that i remember from those mo- that movie i mean that's probably true of every They're right no you're not wrong movie in the 90s you're not wrong. There, there's probably is there is there was there a video game tie into that godzilla oh, sure the there was Roger? there was a television show okay. that i definitely watched wow jean renault is in the film hank azaria is in the film oh yeah hank azaria is in the film well, jean renault is in fact in the yeah, film yeah <laughs> But no, I um I think that's what people are more reacting to. I think Brian Cranston, if he was the focus, it would have been a different reaction. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say anything bad about Quicksilver. I, I don't actually think he's the problem. No, so I, he was he was fine. It's just that he, that's the problem. Really, is that he's like and and like with Godzilla. Like we'll be talking about it today with Pat Labor Three because of the the Harada character being a direct reference to a character in the original Gajira. Um, but that's what those human plots usually are. It's it's if you've seen the recent Shin Godzilla, it's it's about reacting, right? Because it's this thing that you can't stop. You know, it's not that's the that's the like tension building up in the film. It's like you try one thing to stop it and it doesn't work at all, and you try the thing that you think is the like the most extreme example of what you could do to stop it, it doesn't work at all. Then you really have to stretch yourself into cartoon levels of thinking. Doesn't work at all. Like and and sometimes that's just it. It just doesn't work. Like, that's the original Gojira in a lot of ways. It, it depends on the ultimate, we'll talk about it, cartoon mm. weapon in order to stop the threat. And it, it requires the, the death of another character to do it. It requires a selfless sacrifice. Um, and, and this, I, I really prefer, I really like Godzilla 2014. Instead of going that route, it, it lays it like, okay... Like Godzilla is the damage that we've done, but it's our damage. 
And so, like, the, the way that it... Pre- um, uh, God, what is that actor's name? Mm, the Japanese actor in the film. Oh, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe is yeah. the best. I love that dude. My, He's my favorite excellent. Rhyme City detective. I found out the other day that our mutual... <laughs> he is in that movie, too. Our mutual movie. friend has been telling people, and he was critical of himself for this, that he died years ago, Ken Watanabe. He's been telling <laughs> oh, no. people this publicly. <laughs> he is not dead. He, he, is. he atoned last night. But it's like man, he, he turned to me and went, I thought Ken Watanabe was dead. And not only that, I've been telling people he's di- died for years. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's like me and Ryan Reynolds. It also gave us the let them fight meme. Well, what I was going to say is that this angle of um, Godzilla as protector is one that is sort of given to the like heap of the more child-friendly era of Godzilla films. Godzilla films have gone through a lot of different eras and different intentions. and like Gojira was, what, 57? Ish. 50s? That sounds right. I, I should have that in my notes, but I don't. Um, uh, and they did a good job of, of making that angle, and it seems like that's what this new one is going to be. It seems like the this new one is the revelation that there are lots of different... Like, they're going for a Darwinian sort of thing, where these different quote-unquote titans have, are coming from different areas of the Earth. This is not dissimilar from the original Monster Island concept, mm-hmm. where there was just one place where literally every kaiju lived, and like Godzilla was kind of like, I don't want to say like the landlord, but was just like the toughest guy, and so everyone just sort of deferred to them, you know? I shouldn't say guy, because Godzilla has has been different sort of gender identities, um, and is a, just a weird sort of extension of Mother Nature, typically. Yeah. That's, that's the read I like most, and 2014 really takes that read. Yeah, I am... Um, um... I get the complaints. I get, oh, the only complaints I'll grant is the characters are wooden. I really like the fact that we don't see much of Godzilla. I think it would destroy the tone of the movie. What I was going to say was that the, the military angle is the wrong angle. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the thing... I with- think they wanted... Well, may, um, maybe I'm giving too much benefit for the doubt. I think he wanted to justify the shot of going out of the plane, which is a dope shot. The halo jump? Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Um, but in, in the original Godzilla films, because of Japan and its relationship to military, it's almost always a scientific approach yeah it's always oh, almost always and sometimes it's like little psychic girls or aliens or you know gi- other giant monsters are but- the mystery science theater godzilla's worth a watch absolutely all of them are good like- well my history is limited i really want to jump in i've seen i haven't seen gojira i've seen the 1998 matthew broderick film excellent I've all of it mm-hmm. i've seen when we when i worked at the movie theater with someone screened Godzilla 2000, I was there. Awesome, I've good also movie. I forgot most of it. And then I've seen Godzilla 2014, and I... Oh, Shin Godzilla, which I Excellent. Loved. Actual good movie. So, here's the thing. It, 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 it Like many things, it's... I would compare it in many ways, although I would say these are better. I would compare it in many ways to James Bond films, where... If you have to sort of frame, there's less problematic uh, sort of things you need to frame in either time eras, but like if you're going into the Showa era and you you know then you're in for something that's that's less thematically weighty, like God, Gojira is is the thematic one, and then there every once in a while you'll have like a remake of that film, and that one will tend to like treat the material fairly straight. You know, and 2014 was kind of that. Kind of the... Shin Godzilla was the real version of that. Shin yeah. Godzilla is actually concerned with some ideas. It's it's a little bit light in the... Like, like-hearted, I would say. Mo- mostly sort of prodding at, like, bureaucratic red tape. You know, something I think we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think it's... it's I think uh, uh, King of Monsters is going to be much more of a classic uh, popcorn fun time, but... Mm, put it yeah. put it in my veins. Still good. I'm in there. 
Should we talk? Should we talk about the show? Should yeah. We... Should we talk about this other monster that is emerging from the depths? That is yes. Yeah. So I have um I, I have to apologize everyone because today will be my most curt and and uh, short summaries that I've ever had. That uh, episode three. Um, typically, I, I like to focus on uh, character beats. I like to focus on you know po- poking fun of that sort of thing. And uh, episode three it really is hinging on it's it's like shtick, the framing device of the 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 monster, the giant monster bit. So there's not much to talk about. Anyway, enough preamble. Let me let me jump right into our summonies. Episode three, the 450 million year trap. It's a Godzilla parody. I feel sort of bad summarizing this one because in many ways, that's really all there is to it. Something appears to attack Tokyo Bay. Our characters investigate and find there might be a creature there, find a scientist who explains exactly what it is, and it all turns out to be true. And then the creature appears, and its appearance is so shocking to everyone that even the monster turns and leaves. The end? A million question marks? Which leads us into episode four, the tragedy of this episode. L. Uh, our episode begins with a tense hostage negotiation. Oda, who is standing by in his labor, is unable to keep his cool and causes serious damage that could have cost lives. Goto is a slimeball fuckface and berates his team with pot shots at other, other better mech shows uh, and tells the team they need retraining. The team arrives at Fuji, where they had previously trained, and witness a series of strange incidents. They learn that after they graduated, there was a horrible accident where a gun accidentally went off during a training exercise, and a girl died. After witnessing more strange occurrences, the team find evidence pointing to the girl's surviving younger sister as the culprit. Kanuka calls everyone an idiot and exposes the girl as Chief Goto's niece, and the whole thing is an elaborate ruse to get the team to re-examine their relationship to guns. Once the whole thing is exposed, it's implied that it hasn't worked at all. The end. (laughs) <laughs> I mean <laughs> I think PMC I think you suffered more for these two than we did but episode 4 was was uh, uh, episode 4 has the, the saltiest first note I've ever written ever uh, which is episode starts and I hate everyone Goto sucks Oda sucks everyone sucks fuck this dumb show and it's ableist nonsense yeah no, nah, it's pretty much that's, that's I stopped taking I was... notes with episode 4 it's how pissed off I was yeah no episode 4 episode 4 made me like, can we just pretend that when they did this shtick in Haruhi, that Haruhi is now a mech episode, and we can just talk about that instead? Right? No, for real. Right? This, oh yeah. Yes, yeah. Haruhi does this also. This right, fake. but it's fun. Yes, it's actually fun. <laughs> and well, not only that, it leans into character beats and yep. like. But it, it let's get let's I, get I, let's get well let's get to the better episode. Yeah. which I think we're all in agreement that three is more fun. Three is more fun. I think three. Three is proof of concept in many I like ways. The, I would, the first twenty five minutes, great. I would have cut it the last five minutes myself, but that's it. Oh, I've, I I kind of want to. Mm, I really want to mull that over because I kind of feel like I feel like I like the way this episode ends. I I feel like I feel like it's kind of a good goof. I I feel like if I was if it, I feel like if I was less uncomfortable with the overall way Yamazaki has been framed, like if it wasn't already implied. That he was some kind of weirdo just because he's very big, then I think the goof would be very funny. <laughs> that, like if if, it, if okay, let's. Well, well I have there. other thoughts. That's that's a good point, right? I, I I think that, but in any case, you know, we we start off with a pretty like let's off the bat. Let's talk about. I, I want to say that they really did a good job with the choice to play it visually as straight as possible. Yeah. 
they 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 really because of how like I, I, as much as I'm like rubbing against this in a bad way, this whole show, this classic '80s hand drawn animation is so so pleasing to watch. Especially yeah. the underwater animation, fan fucking. The scene where they're piloting the labor underwater and the the monitor's reflections are up against their giant '80s sunglasses as they're doing this work is such a stark, powerful, tense image. And I'm sitting there like. In, and what I appreciated about it is that the, all the jokes are in the writing. All, all the like, like, sh- like later there's a bit where Shige is speaking. Like, you know, uh, uh, I, I watched this subbed, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, Shige has always spoken with a really energetic, frenetic, like nonstop tone. And <laughs> same in the dub, it's not good, but it's same in the dub. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, in in th- there's a moment where they go to talk to him after he's piloted the the labor and he's he's speaking with a tone of someone who's been in the war and has come out and that's just such a good joke <laughs> like that's such a funny bit with shige um and i i appreciated that it made me think like man if only the show wasn't about cops yes um uh, but in any way um yeah i if- will say that i was really on board with the opening of this episode yeah. because i i could tell that yeah, again it's an ova so it's going to be extremely episodic i don't expect it to be one big arc of six episodes so seeing this opening and saying like oh we have a mystery yeah you know, like we have a fun mystery and now we're going to get to see our team tackle it and for all the animation reasons you guys just talked about the the foggy bay and the, the couple in the car and him walking away and you know, finding the gashes in the ground, and you know that was all pleasant to look at and a good setup for the mystery. Yeah, uh, nobody has ever enjoyed a Coke as much as that man enjoyed that Coca Cola. He had, must have had that planned out. He must occasionally, with his romantic partners, yeah. go up because he knows that there is a vending machine here with Coke and beer. Yeah, he definitely. That, that's actually a good point. It does smack of somebody who has like. A routine, and this is like a clear part of the routine is the the cold coke he enjoys before. I don't know making out. I had questions. Well, about it could this be whole after thing. making out. Maybe oh. he needs to refresh himself after making out. Yes. Okay. Maybe she just likes the taste of coke. Shot and chaser. You know. <laughs> I mean, I love coke. Yeah. I mean, and I actually started thinking about what vending machines I like and like that I routinely go to because if I'm staying. If I'm working after school... Do you have, like, a George a vend- Costanza plan, kind sort of, of? because if I'm staying after school, there's this one vending machine that has cherry Coke. Sure. So I go right to the cherry Coke, right into my veins. Yeah, I shouldn't talk smack, actually, because I also do this. There there are, in, in my work building, there are definitely... Because the Pepsi vending machine is in the flame floor that I'm at, and I don't want any of that shit. I'm going downstairs to the Coke vending machine where they have the Primo Coca-Cola products. Although I'm saying all this with a slash S behind it because I don't actually really love... Uh, I mean, I drink a lot of soda, no doubt. Let us not. I don't want to be struck by lightning here with my. Brain, but the you're not you're not alone. Well, what I'm saying is, I have no I have no loyalties. My favorite particular soda is one that's made by Coca Cola, but it's it's also I'm perfectly happy drinking grocery store, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Doctor Thunder. Uh, uh, Doctor W as as Wegman's as the way he's yeah yeah. There's, there's, speaking of vending machines, I'm going to prolong this conversation just a bit longer. Okay. Sure, there I'm was, sure everyone's loving. This, are are vending machines mechs? <sighs> Not piloted, so they're robots. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's, it's a very existential moment. But up, up, but up, in front of this monolith and <laughs> at a space odyssey, and they're just looking at the vending machine. Sure, and you're bum, contemplating bum, the mysteries bum, of the universe. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> And there was a, uh, there still is where I grew up, a vending machine at a gas station that had great, fantastic Mountain Dew. I had someone who sweared by the Taco Bell Baja Blast sure. that it was superior to 
not only other sodas, but other Baja Blast. What, the Baja Blast? Yeah, but this particular Taco Bell. Oh, you mean that fountain was always good. I mean, sometimes that happens, though. So, like, I mean, like, Sonic... The drive-thrus have excellent. They they must do a thing with their fountains where they upkeep it because I've never had a bad soda at, at a Sonic. McDonald's ever. has the worst Coke. Yeah, so McDonald. I mean, like if you if you're talking about your more like your Burger Kings or McDonald's, your Wendy's, like you're you're you might as well just not get a drink just because. I mean, because of the amount of things that are happening in that day, like they just don't maintain the fountains as well, and like that's fine. That's understandable. Um, but yeah, no, that's totally a thing. Is strategic sort of. Ignis and I can start a soda podcast. <laughs> I was really sick the other day and almost left work early, and then I had a Pepsi, and I was fantastic. You felt worse. Oh. No, I felt better. Because <laughs> a Pepsi for me, I really hate. I don't really like the taste of of, of Pepsi. I'm not either. But it's you know what? I also don't like the taste <laughs> of uh, PMC. I want I want you to get your thought out because it seems like you have have something in. No, I don't have anything. To add to, like, when we die in five years, he could play this at the funerals. I was concerned, right? Just because I know I'm a little more down on pad labor. Sure. That, like, and I, but I want to make sure that I'm not like just sitting this podcast out. But now we've gone on a soda tangent, <laughs> which is like another fucking, thing you have even worse for me. I have less to say about soda, except that I don't really drink it because like mostly I just drink like coffee, tea, and water. That's fair. No, no, you no. You are intelligent and you care about your body. You are I more correct. Maybe I don't. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not yeah. telling you all eat your vegetables like. In any case, another thing that I don't like the taste of is giving Oda a giant gun to test. First off, can we just... Can Oda can go to jail? Yeah. Oda? <laughs> Oda really does need to go to jail. Like, fuck Oda. Like, I, fuck him. Get him out. It's It really is like it is a mixed message for sure. I to, mean, the show does lightly chide Oda, but I want him to be court... Do no. cops court-martial each other? Here's, here's, Whatever the cops do, he needs no, to no, be expelled. No, 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 no. Cops cover up each other's crimes. Right. That. That's exactly right. Um, but that's the, the, the thing that sucks is that, like, this is what I wanted to talk about when I was talking about like uh, uh, how I can appreciate. Uh, I think both of these episodes are really well constructed, and there's like I can separate for myself my like visceral reaction of like none of this is as funny as they think it is because of the framing device they chose to to, to do both of these episodes in. Um, but episode four is particularly heinous because it's so hard to appreciate the the sort of like funny, clever, fake mystery writing that they're doing because it's all framed on a, a thing that they should be taking seriously. Like it's it, it's so hard to like, and from our perspective as Americans living in 2019. But in any case, uh, they're testing a new a new riot gun, and it's a shotgun looking thing, and it shoots out a big laser pellet. Um, and Oda thinks it's great. Um, and uh, to their credit, Goto and Sakaki both have their doubts about its usefulness for what they're supposed to be doing. And, and I think that's like, you know, as much as I roll my eyes at the archetype that Go, Goto and Sakaki are, are both fulfilling, I, I think this is like, you know, a logical conclusion for these two characters to be drawing. Uh, and I think, you know, this is the point where we're introduced to the, um, what's the... the Matsui? The, yeah, Matsui, the inspector. Yeah, um, I totally missed his name, so I just had his name written down as investigations guy. Yeah, no, he was really good. So uh, yeah, no, I really, I really liked him. The way he described pulling the car into the water sideways, a plus. Yeah, no, I, I like his bulbous head in the submarine. It's like two <laughs> sizes bigger than I, everyone else's. I think that was supposed to be a perspective shot. It's very funny. It, it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I think he's meant to be like leaning in. So yeah, like a, podcast listeners missed me leaning in. <laughs> um, in any case, there is a. Uh, I thought you were about to dab. <laughs> I should have. Um, uh, this is, you know, the point where he approaches the our, our squad is is because the the he has rented from a civilian 
uh, a company this this underwater labor in order to investigate and I I sort of liked the world building here of of like nobody in our office knows how to pilot this fucking thing so we so we need to reach out like there there's a there's a logic there that I appreciate like there's a sort of acknowledging of like because I, I think a lot of times with sci-fi shows like Star Trek suffers from this although Star Trek has written in how they deal with this is that everyone is an expert at like like a super expert or whatever their field is and like obviously when you when you're like uh, Star Trek Federation ingenue super expert like they can the writers can therefore like basically make up on the fly what our characters are competent at and i sort of liked the the sort of acknowledgement of like hey we're we're, we're cops <laughs> we don't we don't know how to pilot like an underwater drone <laughs> to, to look for you know i didn't really i refer, i thought it was a submarine so when they keep saying the the labor's destroyed like what labor oh the sub but i yeah. guess it's a labor too but well, right i mean that's the 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 actually the thing that i wasn't clear on until later when they showed it was destroyed was i, I thought they were piloting it like, I thought Same. they were in the, the goddamn thing, and, and, you know, that's why when it goes black, I'm like, oh, no, they died. They're dead now. I actually had the same reaction with Oda in episode four, but but we'll get there. Because um, I was wishful, like, Oda's... Wishful thinking. Yeah, no, it was. Like, uh, oh, is Oda dead now? Awesome. awesome. <laughs> that's exactly what I was uh, But anyway, so yes, so um, Shige and Sakaki uh, agree to help uh, uh, Matsui with this investigation, um, and in the process, the, you know, something, they find something. They confirm that there's something down there. And, it, you know, despite uh, what K- uh, Kanuka thinks, it's definitely not a whale. Like, it, you know, and we get to that scene I was describing earlier where they go to ask uh, Shige about it. And Shige is, is all gruff. And, you know, I, I thought that was a good bit. I like how he immediately lets it go when the dry ice has been delivered. The dry ice is a really good setup. I, uh, wait, there's some good moments in the dub that you missed, but oh. one of the worst, the, so far the worst dub performance right now is the Rando Fisherman they're talking to. Sure. His dub, PMC, oh, did you really? listen to the dub? His it, dub's it was, atrocious. It really is bad. But oh, I really liked that bit. It's good. But no, because in the kaiju films, there's usually these salt-of-the-earth characters, like farmers and exactly, the like, who yes. like, feel internally when the environment's been disrupted, like the barome- like animals with barometric pressure right. changes. And uh, I thought that was cool. And he seems like a cool guy. Well, I, it, that's exactly right. So there is a thing in this, and it, and it's sort of a. I think it's it, it's admirable in a way because it's a sort of respect for someone that if you look at the way like he's got that 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 hat and the the cigarette that's all bendy and the the sort of uh uh, to, uh tank top that he's wearing it communicates someone who is like shabby or like you know not someone with a lot of means right someone who is a hard worker obviously or because of their life situation is forced to work but there's a respect there because the character is always correct right there's they're always right like in 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 the original gojira film uh gojira has that name because of a fable on an island right and and the people who live in that island like are correctly guess that that this thing has been awakened right and and it's even though they're sort of laughed off the the movie proves them right, um, and this is constantly a thing. Is this also what we first see? I have a, 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 a Mechanations podcast canon thing I need to verify. Sure, is the guy from the Last Jedi who tastes the ground one of these people? <laughs> oh yeah, salt guy. Yeah, he's a salt of the earth guy. Right, is your door slamming the distance? <laughs> yeah, right. in the car. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's not quite the same. Oh, I right. totally forgot. I, yeah. No, he's he's MVP of that film. <laughs> yeah. He's I, really I, important. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really need a reaction gif of that guy. You know how sometimes when you when you need to post like acknowledge that someone is very salty, I really need that like him tasting salt. Mm, salt. <laughs> the uh, real quick, the line I want to point out before we move ahead. All right, so, the package comes in in the dub. The chief has the package. He hands it to Shige, and then in a very Clint Eastwood voice, he goes, "I don't. I don't have. I'm not good at impressions. What are you going to do with this dry ice? Become an ice cream man? <laughs> it's fantastic. So, I I, I just, thought that was a good line in the sub. Too. I just got back from vi- vacation, and I did not have the opportunity to rewatch this episode. And I'm usually I do a good, usually pretty good job about indicating context in my notes. But I had in quotes, this had, this was "Become a- an ice cream man" with no context, and I was like, <laughs> I can't fucking remember this to save my life. <laughs> this was like when I was taking the notes. I was like, all right, this is PMC is going to bump on this line yeah. first. I was like, this is a PMC line. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> This, this is a cruise into the night sort of line. It's excellent. Yeah. I, I feel like it was something I could hear. I, I don't know. There, I get big PMC energy from Sakaki in general. Yeah, so no, I, I like me. the chief and Shige. I like the kind of like father-son dynamic that he, they sometimes yeah. have. Yeah. Sakaki's probably still my favorite character, which is unsurprising. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Yeah, even if I'm critical of the like archetype he's yeah. leaning into, he's the sort of character that's hard, in this framing, hard not to love. Um. So they, yeah, they determine it's a kaiju in the sub. That that's the term they use. I, I don't know in the dub what they say. Real quick, I was in a, a little world building here. We, this is in a fictional Japan of the 1990s. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get into that. By there the way, there are kaiju cutouts. Everyone's very accepting that. Oh, it's it's a sea monster. They're pretty quick on that. Like, do are have there? Do you think the sea monsters exist? Well, I think the because because Ozma is the joke part of that right like Ozma is the one who's really excited about this whole like he's the one who's calling out all the tropes that are happening but he wants it to happen like he like even later um uh he he i think he kind of not commands but tells noah to shoot at it because he wants it to go nuts (laughs) like he is into this as an agent of chaos sort of thing like he is aware that it's fiction in a way like that that last line almost seems to be what they're like Mm. leaning on like almost like it was a dream and then that's the last episode but um, I think that it, his comment about like, oh, we have giant robots, so there's a, a giant uh, a, a sea monster. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's I think that's the logic we're supposed to. Yeah, I don't actually believe personally. I didn't think there were sea monsters, but I thought about it for a minute because everyone is super accepting of the idea of sea monsters, even the news media too. They really jump on this very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there is a world where you could make the argument that the way that those ideas have been disseminated in pop culture have emotionally prepared a percentage of the population to react to this in that way. I, I agree with you. I, I, the it's other- like zombie films, too, that exist in our world where presumably they've consumed zombie materials internally in the world, too. Well, so that's the tough thing that zombie films always have a, a tough time. Do you, I think Zombieland is the one that's dealt with this the most, most well. Yeah, by, yeah, for sure. By starting out with a character basically explaining their savviness in the in the genre you know by giving rules of how to survive it um but the thing i was going to say was that um it seems like i i i didn't have i wanted to i scrubbed through it but i couldn't really find it i think all those those crowd beat beats might be shots from gojira I, I'm thinking specifically about Waving the parade. The flags, yeah. yeah, I think that parade might be. That's a classic sort of bit in Godzilla films. There's always a scene with that, even that style of music. The like, there's always that scene when the military or the SDF, in this case, are are mobilizing um, and getting ready to fend off the the Godzilla attack. 
And that's what it immediately reminded me of. So I'm not sure how much of that is is just like I don't want to say an intentional writing like sort of exercise as much as it was just like laying the groundwork for these visual references. I, it's hard for me to say because I didn't have as much time as I wanted to look into this because I was apparently too busy uh, researching panspermia. I guess we'll get to that later, though. When you saw this scientist, did anyone come to mind? No one mentioned it before the pod. Well, I thought of a character. I mean, his physical appearance immediately made me think of uh, Yakuza Zero yeah, yeah. Majima. I, I just Majima. 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 Yeah, he oh, looked like well, Majima a lot to me. I mean, it's not a direct reference, of course, yeah. but I no. couldn't get Majima out of my mind. Yeah, I mean, he's just he looks exactly like the character he's referencing from Kajira. He looks I had that like feeling Dr. Too. Sarazawa. If you look up real quick, if you just Google Sarazawa, you'll see exactly what you know that what they were going for yeah. there. Um, although, um, it's funny, they sort of give, so to anyone who's not seen the original Gojira film, uh, they, the, uh, Dr. Sarazawa is a scientist. There are a lot of people in Godzilla films who are like, like, I think it's, it's what centrists think scientists are, which are scientists who just love science so fucking much. They just love, oh, science is its own thing that is worthy of protection and we got to do stuff for the sake of science. And Godzilla scientists are always like that. Um, I think Shin Godzilla did a good job of like sidestepping this and acknowledging, you know, the various flavors of experts, and they have different, you know, motives and expectations. Uh, but in in Gojira, like science, like it's almost like a Venture Brothers idea of science in a way. Um, and Sarazawa was a, a man who had perfected the ultimate weapon, which was the you might be familiar with it after this episode, the oxygen destroyer. Uh, yes. Uh, the oxygen destroyer is able to eliminate all sense of life around it by destroying the oxygen around it. Uh, yeah, no, that face is correct. Uh, this is how they defeat Godzilla in the first Kajira film, oh. is with the oxygen destroyer. I believe the dry ice choke might be a reference to how they pulled off the effect. I think that's what's going on there, but I'm not positive. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, Sarah's, uh, Harada here is a direct visual reference to Sarazawa. Um, how much of this, cause like this, the tough thing about this episode is that it's a lot of, um, padding to, to do the, like the, the shtick, you know? And so it's not a lot of time for characters like Oda when they, the, when they learn it to Kaiju, he's like, I'm going to go get the riot gun, you know, which is, you know, the shtick they set up for him. And, uh, uh, Ozma, as we've discussed, is like excited about, the concept of their existing a giant monster, not that they have giant robots to fight it with. Um, but, like, Noah doesn't really get to react too much in this one. And um, Is she our main character in this show? No. I argue it's more of an ensemble piece myself. Yeah, yeah it's an ensemble piece for sure. She's, like... I mean, we talked about this, and, and you know, I'm I'm kind of dismissive about it. She's the mascot. Like, this is what I was afraid of in episode one, where I was like, I hope she's a person. Because, like, you know, she's not... She's a, a funny... Sort of like I like Noah, but she's not really a character. Yeah, like she's she's a sort of like funny prop, like a like a like a imp or a clown. Um, but in any case, I, I, that sounds way more critical of her personally than I mean it. I just mean the you know the writing; it's not great, but it's also typical of the time. Like that's the problem is I can appreciate from a distance what exactly they were trying to do and what they probably felt was like fine to do. It, it just comes off to me as like Ugh, I don't like it. The exposition dump was a bit much with all the science stuff. It was cool for me because I am in a podcast taking notes. I was like, let me fact check this. So that was fun. But if I was a casual viewer, a lot of it would have watched. I felt like I was watching a Let's Play of of Seaman for the Sega Dreamcast. (laughs) Well, this is a, I mean, 
this is the problem with this whole episode is like if you don't if you're not like in it for the shtick because this is a this is a classic scene where the you find the science creep and the science because very much Harada is a science creep in our proud tradition of uh, mechanation science creeps. Uh, he explains how the 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 reasoning behind the, how the kaiju could exist in the world. Um, how did you guys have you guys heard of panspermia before this? Really? No. So this is a so this is a hypothesis. This is not a thing that has been proven to be true, but the logic behind it I think is easy to to track. Of the oh, wait 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 is this the concept about all life on Earth came from some rock? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That okay. that, that okay. life on Earth probably came from an interstellar source that that survived being in a cosmic environment and landed in our planet. And on our planet, they found the environment which allowed it to grow and etc. Like you can see the logic of that, right? Yeah. Of like, yeah, yeah. but it's a hypothesis because while you can sort of prove, look at this, there are bacteria that can exist in the like, and you know, like like what Harada determines there like he says that he proved it 10 years ago but that's not really proof what, what he's proven is that bacteria can can exist in a cosmic environment and then land on earth but that's not that doesn't prove doesn't mean it happened right exactly um you know to bring it back to star trek if you remember the the star trek tng episode the chase or as i like to call it the chaise we you find out that there was a progenitor species that uh, seeded the the worlds of the uh, Alpha Quadrant, which is why everyone in Star Trek looks like a human with gunk on their face. But and this is kind of a the way they came up with that was from panspermia, and and I looked it up, and around this time there were definitely some. I was looking to see where panspermia was at this time. It, it, it's a thing you you know people are still. It's a hypothesis again because it, you right, can't. Right. We haven't found the thing that says like, oh yeah, this is definitely how it broke down. Um, and there are different kinds of panspermia theory. There's a, like hard panspermia where the idea is like there was an intention like and something like literally seeded in a, a sort of Mass Effect sci-fi way, the planet. Um, and then there's soft panspermia fear, theory, which is sort of the opposite where it's like eh, it's probably more likely that some shit just sort of fell on the earth, <laughs> like you know, and, and but again, because it's it's a it's a hypothesis and, and you know, there's logical aspects to it, but you can't say. Yes, this is what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but it's a fine. I mean, like, because the the problem with bringing it up is that, like, you say panspermia theory, and it, it makes certain people be like, "Oh, I know this is a real thing. There's some logic to this." But what he eventually reveals is like, no, it, panspermia is sort of like the avenue by which the the character, because he basically is like, "Oh, and then I did a bunch of magical science shit to it, and that's what made it into a cashew." <laughs> and like this whole time. This is a comedy show, right? And and so allegedly, allegedly, and and so you're—I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this this is a misunderstanding of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this is the, the 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 way that these sorts of situations typically work is that um, the characters have an extraordinary event, right, which creates a a framing in their mind, and as they investigate it, they find what they. They find what they think they're looking for, which confirms what they think the problem is. And then the the joke, the punchline at the end is a revealing of a misunderstanding, right? This is a classic. I 100% thought that this is where they were going with this episode. I'd prefer if they did, but that's just me. I, again, I... Mm. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's hard to talk about it because the rest of the episode is they agreed to do a thing to stop the kaiju... Um, there are some jokes about the different plans they come up with, which are different sort of 
Like that was my favorite comedic bit of this whole show. Yes, so far. yes I agree. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. funny. Interstitials are usually very funny. It was good because, and those are also sort of parodies of different approaches for fighting a kaiju. I have a question for you. When Asuma is awkwardly Me, narrating, Ignis Maddox? yes, yes. When he's awkwardly narrating, is that a Godzilla trope? Was yeah. he like later on in an interview with someone or writing down like his memoirs about the experience? Because sure. that comes out of nowhere. If I mean, you really need to know that you're Godzilla to get that. I- I don't think it's a specific. I think this is a a, a sort of like at any time you you have like a, a a like a extraordinary event sort of thing, and a character is like so, like sort of narrating it to give it a sort of. I, I think that that Godzilla films have ended this way. Yeah, but, but he just awkwardly starts monologuing in the middle of the episode with like he, no context. We don't know who he's monologuing to or why. Yeah, no, this is a thing. Uh, I don't. I like. I, I can't. I waved it off. It's like, oh, it's probably a Godzilla thing. Here's like the thing is, I'm thinking of Godzilla. Like, this isn't a good example, but in Godzilla versus Biollante, uh, there <laughs> deep in the stacks. Um, well, so the reason I bring this particular one up is because this one dealt primarily with the idea of genetic manipulation, right? Because the the plot of this one is that a a scientist loses her his daughter in an accident, and tries to kind of use Godzilla cells fused with a plant in in order to sort of manipulate life. And and to him, he thinks the creature he creates is his daughter. Um and and this is what the plot of this film reminded me of. And there is narration in that particular film, but it's not quite like that. That one is really off the rails. There's like a James Bond guy in it who speaks in English. Um, and there's also some psychic characters. Is, is that Jaguar from it, Ninja Terminator? It's, it's very similar to Jaguar, dude. <laughs> yeah. Not even a joke. Um, it, it, that one is um, that one's tough for me also because I also whenever because Biolante is a giant rose, right? So in my in my head, I always think of um, Kiss from a Rose. Okay. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, those those chicks are pretty good. Uh, the kaiju finally emerges when Shige... I actually... I, I laughed when Sakaki just kind of pops out of the, the sub that Shige yeah. is on. Uh, the boat. Like, uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> Sakaki just sort of... I tailed you because I expected this. Uh, that was a good bit. Um, uh, and he drops the, the fake... I was actually kind of mad when it was just straight up the oxygen destroyer. Because I looked at it and I was like, oh, hey, it looks like the oxygen destroyer. And then they just say it's the oxygen destroyer. I'm like, hey, now... This whole time you've been doing sideways, so then you just do it, and then you just sort of take it. Um, I also thought um, I sort of resented that it was Noah who brought the like tearful, uh, uh, you know, resolution plan. Like I, I was sort of resented that the the one plan that was like the most cartoonish was put in her because again, it just sort of demonstrates what the show thinks of her. You know. Um, uh, so the kaiju appears, and it is a a Gilman. It looks like a giant Gilman. Yep. I actually so let's let's put this out there because I didn't at first understand what the joke was. I was just like, okay, yeah, it's a Gilman. Yep. I'm ready for them to fight. Just this, like, yeah. I didn't get the joke of it looks just like Yamazaki. Yeah, um, I, I yeah. didn't get that. That was the joke. I was just like, I'm here for this this kaiju, right? Like. There's actually a scene of Frankenstein I want to highlight, too, because I was thinking about Frankenstein. I was watching this a second time. Yeah. And there's a scene in the second book. I'm going to read a quick quote, but there's a scene from I'm ready. the second book of Frankenstein. Coco, when- skip two minutes ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for those of you who are not read Mary Shelley's 1818 Frankenstein. Yeah, well, yeah, Frank- spoilers. Frankenstein is the doctor, right? Not the monster? Correct. Okay. 
And it's when he escapes from Victor he being Frankenstein. The monster? Yes. Yes. And he is with some cottages. I think they're in Switzerland, somewhere up north. And he's watching them. And this is the first time he sees himself reflected. It's actually reflecting a scene earlier in Paradise Lost when Eve sees a reflection in the water. Right. But it's a little different. But it's playing with some similar concepts. I admire the perfect forms of my cottagers, their grace, beauty, and delicate complexions. But how was I terrified when I viewed myself in a transparent pool? At first, I started back, unable to believe that it was indeed I who was reflected in the mirror. And when I became fully convinced that I was in reality the monster that I am, I was filled with the bitterest sensations of despondence and mortification. Alas, I did not yet entirely know the fatal effects of, his, of this miserable deformity. Now, of course, Frankenstein will work with these themes much more meaningfully than Pat Labor. Sure. Again, it's... I don't know where I was going with this. This is, this is like with the last episode, too. They're dealing with these kind of weighty issues that feel just rather unearned. So I have some, I'm going on a quick tangent. This is a very Stephen Hero complaint. Please, I'm, yeah. go, I'm not go. saying this is necessarily objective. I, get, I like the, spoof, the Godzilla spoof, too. This is usually a shitty criticism to bring out, but I can't help but feel it, too. This is more for me. There's a certain verisimilitude line that it breaks. I kind of wish it didn't break in this case because I really like the quotidian domestic details. Yes. I would prefer it at the end if it was just a whale and they maybe looked off in this like existential thought just across the ocean after it was a whale and maybe there was like a tremor in the distance of what else could be out there. Sure. If I were doing the show, that's how I would have ended it. But I wanted to hear your take on this too, I guess. I, I completely agree with you that that like I was ready for the reveal of it. I, I was ready for Kanuka to be right. I was I, you know, taking it aback and, and stepping back, I will say the joke of Kanuka um, being like, let's fucking kill this thing is is a little bit funny too. Uh, I, I was I was a little bit more uh, when she goes from zero to sixty. Yeah, I like that <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was kind of funny. But to, to address what you're saying, I I was ready for that. That's why I brought this up. Was like this this is a fine way to go about this whole concept, right? It's to play it completely straight and then reveal it was all a misunderstanding. Ha 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 ha! Like that's completely fine. Yeah, I usually hate the verisimilitude arguments. Let me bring that to light sure yeah yeah it's it's usually it's a very subjective thing too i just don't i don't like when people force it upon others that's when it really pisses me off so i think the problem with verisimilitude is that it's a fine thing to bring up i think the thing that you need to do is to acknowledge that there are different framings that you bring to a work and and that it's sometimes completely appropriate to talk about verisimilitude and sometimes not uh, like Something I get into a lot with with a friend of mine is is Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim has no interest in verisimilitude yeah. at all, and nor should it. Like that, that's the thing is is that not everything needs to deliver the same amount. Not to bring back, you know, I'm gonna step out of my skate pod for a second. Uh, like this is a problem lots of people had with TLJ is that TLJ didn't care for verisimilitude at all. And and those complaints have been dogging Star Wars for years, unfortunately, too, like the explosions in space. Like, fuck off. Well, like, see, that, I think, is a different sort of tedious pedantry that is has become its own flavor of fun for certain kinds of people to do. But, like, you know, like, I, I can re- recall um, years and years ago when the original Iron Man came out, uh, uh, a tedious person igno- uh, observing that uh, there's no way an Iron Man suit would be able to function even before it reaches the height that causes it to freeze which is a a plot point you might you know remember from the first iron man and it's just like you know there's a certain again when you go to partake in fiction and this is something that i i don't know if a lot of people engage with often um the thing you're agreeing to do is to play the part of an audience member right and and that's like there's a certain amount you have to just let the movie or the play or the the show you're seeing, the orchestra, whatever, be what it is, which is a construction, 
right? It is a, a thing that people put together in order to create some kind of reaction, right? You have to just let it be that. And the more you fight against that, the more you demand the thing do that work for you, the less you're going to get out of it. Like, the more it's just going to be a, a thing that you, you consume and throw away. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of this show, it clearly has established itself as concerned the small details, the traffic jam in space, as it were. Yes, the, the, the mechanical details. Yeah, yes. that's – if I were writing the show, that's how I would have wrote the OVA and stuck through it. And the right. character beats that form around those small moments. Like, I like little bits like when Shige's talking about – like, this is a quote earlier on. They're, they're in the labor. They're underwater. And he says, well, if we don't return this labor tonight, they'll charge us an overdue fine. It's like small details like that that I appreciate. Well, this is the problem, right? The, like the thing that we're, they're watching, we're watching here is almost like an episode of C-Lab, right? Where it, it, and, and the problem is, though, it wants to be that show where it's about that, those details. But this like particular episode, in, instead of ending with the C-Lab just blowing up, it ends with like a, a weird pot shot at Yamazaki. You know, and, and like, there's a there's a world where I almost, like, I really liked you bringing up that Frankenstein quote, because now is providing me with a, a sort of, like, because where my mind went instantly was Shape of the Water, right? Where I was like, in 2019, this this reads not as a joke at all, but as, like, a, this, like, weird affirmation, right? Of, like, like, you know, Yamazaki is already, the show already treats him like this weird monster. Yeah, right? the show itself has already marginalized my Yeah, yeah. And and so like this bit where he, he's confronted, like I was like, this is kind of a beautiful moment where he sees this beautiful creature, and it's sort of like I like to me, I I sort of saw like oh, it achieves peace now. There's it sort of recognizes its own humanity now, and re- like and there's a sadness to it of it like deciding now to just leave. And the show thinks this is hilarious. Yeah, right? the yeah, show really thinks does. this is really really funny. But I'm sitting here having like a connection to this moment, and this is what the problem with Pat Labor is like. It it's it, it really thinks it's super clever, right? It really it's like ah, isn't it great that we're poking fun at these things that these other successful things have done? I like that you said that too, because I'm going to compare when we talk about episode four to uh, Pat Labor to something else that I think we that also tries to be too smart for its own good. Well, so I think specifically what made me think of this is is how. I think that it is the height of hubris for for Pat Labor to like by name call out two popular super robot shows to to compare and like it is the height of hubris to do this and then to engage in hacky n- not super like you know impressively original writing like to to then do both of those things and not be aware of the sorts of like th- messages your writing is actually sending out is like it was a real bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, especially they already established it before, too. Good art is usually subtle. You've already done it twice with the dream sequence and the earlier shot when they get to the base for the first time. I just, if you want to be Family Guy, if you want to be Crayon Shin-Chan, if you want to be, like, and not even Crayon Shin-Chan because that's just a, a straight-up kid show. Let's say the American dub of Crayon Shin-Chan. If you want to be, like, m- like, poking fun, subverting these ideas, you know, you can't also just play it straight like you have to choose your framing and choose it carefully and it has to be you know it can't just be doing the thing like you can't if it's just about doing the thing then you're not subverting it you know it, it's it's just a bad joke at the end kind of like i ended up sort of liking it because it's so absurd like i i you know to to give it a sort of compliment i guess like i didn't see it coming um but why would you like because what is the joke even right like yeah i mean i think that's one of the things t- 
too is that we talked about the idea of a comedy show having an ensemble cast, which is kind of what what the the sort of structure of our SV two team is. Uh, but it's really almost more like an ensemble of punchlines, and yeah. they are the punchlines, and that's it. You know, like the Yamazaki is a a monster. I guess that's funny. Well, like that's the thing where I don't, I, you know, and, the, and we should talk about the, the the last lines really do seem to frame it as like a a Jacob's ladder sort of thing, which I thought was funny considering the whole quote of like, and it all turned out to be I don't want a show that turned out to be a bad dream. It's like, oh, okay, and oh, the I, she quote, yeah, yep. and, and I guess you'll just use that anyway. Um, it, you know, it's I feel like if I was talking to a fan of the show, right? I think the fan, and I, you know, something I did after episode four was look up like criticism of Pat Labor, this this OVA. And 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 what I found was like people who like this really don't they really don't try to talk about the framing device of being cops at all. Like and, and like the stuff I found was from, mind you, like twenty thirteen. Sure. And and I don't know, you know, but even in twenty thirteen people knew what cops were about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it didn't just happen in twenty sixteen suddenly. It, it and you know it it really takes it at its word as far as like just kind of being a for funsy sort of day in the life of of mech cops show and it's so hard for me to like when I'm watching it in this context of of machinations but even if I wasn't I would be like well this is hard for me to enjoy because of the framing device they they chose to like if they were in space if they were aliens if it wasn't Earth there was a lot of things you could do to to make me forgive. Like, specifically in episode four, like, they should take guns seriously. Oda shouldn't be on the force. What Oda did should get him completely fired. Completely fired. Completely fired. And, and like, and Goto also, because Goto is shares responsibility for putting Oda in that situation. Like, I understand that, that maybe that we didn't see the start of, I guess we're talking about episode four now. Yeah, we're talking um, about the tragedy of episode four. Yeah, and, uh... Like, you know, and we didn't see the framing, so we don't know if, like, Unit 2 was just closer to the area or Noah wasn't around to yeah. be in the blah, that, blah, blah. Because this isn't labor crime. There's right. no labor here. Right, exactly. Right? It isn't the sequence from episode one where we had to chase down a labor. Right. So uh, we don't know wh- how the situation ended up being, like, because for all intents and purposes, at this point, I, the audience member, have learned, okay, you can't put Oda in a situation where he is cannot fire because he will not listen to instruction in that regard, which is exactly what happens. And, like, the, the whole joke of it is based on the premise you've accepted that, like, it's hilarious that he is, like, gun crazy, right? And and it's just – it's in 2019, it's just really hard yeah, for that to be Yeah, it's funny. hard to find a, a loose cannon police officer to be funny. Yeah, it's, it's just, just – I can't laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, um, and, you know, uh, the the two – so we, we cut to Goto, and he is he's reminding uh, – what uh, he's reminding the entire unit, too, and not just Oda for some reason – uh, that they are public servants and, you know, they, they can't just be flying off the handle and that the media is calling for the disbandment of Unit 2. And I agree with the media. Media is yeah. right. Media is actually right. Uh, I do like how the show does. I'm with you 100% on these criticisms. I have the same thing in my notes. One thing I do want to say is at least, I do appreciate how at least Pat Labor attempts to bring up the question in the first place, whereas another cop procedural probably wouldn't. So I think that is somewhat admirable. The show brings these questions, but they they handle it so clumsily. It's like one step forward, two fucking steps back. Well, it's all hinged on the premise of like cops being one hundred percent necessary, and like the the authority as it exists shouldn't be questioned and just should be served. Like that's that's it's all hinged on that. It's very. 
I don't want to get dismissive. It's just very typical, especially probably of the 80s sort of like attitude, I would say. Like, it, it, I think most people feel this way um, and are wrong. But the, the other thing I'll say, retraining's good. More yeah. Tra- yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. That's the thing, too, is that training is normal. Yeah. Training is normal. Should be doing training all the time. Yeah. Everyone trains when you're, you do stuff for a living. Yeah. Got to keep it. Got to keep it sharp. Anybody. <laughs> yes, everyone. Uh, and and so we we get sent to Fuji. There's a scene that I think the point is to establish that there would be a labor on site for yeah. some of the later shenanigans because we we cut to the the them being run off the road with the labor and they argue a little bit about it. Um, this doesn't really come back into play other than to establish where they brought a labor. They brought the spooky the labor for spooky purposes later. Um. So they arrive at the training camp, and they, they, they this is the first time you, they sort of acknowledge that there are no other trainees around. Um, Noah has a funny line where she goes, they got someone who looks just like the chief here. And Goda's like, it, it's me. <laughs> like, you know, it's just me. <laughs> I thought they were going to do, for a hot minute, a Pokemon-style, uh, uh, here's yeah. someone who just looks exactly like <laughs> some of the people you've met before, um, Officer Jenny and uh, uh, Nurse Joy style. But no, they're they're there, and we cut. I mean, I think it. Do we immediately cut to the bath scene? I think we do, uh, right? These the, the uh, uh, required by law bath scene. Yeah, no, because I, I have that right after my note about is our team really so stupid that they didn't recognize Goto? I'm sorry, <laughs> right? All, all my notes are really critical of the team. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, uh, how do I? I don't know if we should. We're going to be talking. I mean, here's the thing: we're we're going to be talking about anime, right? Yeah, this is what our show is about. Uh, and a, lot of, a lot of bath scenes to wait through. A lot, that's, a lot of tropes. That's what I'm saying is that, that this is going to be a recurring trope of of character bonding in a public bath and typically male characters trying to peek on female characters and this being hilarious. Um, this is a even even JRPGs will will dip into this every once in a while. It's not atypical to have a a spa or bath scene sort of thing, especially in your more anime. Yeah. Your, your star oceans, your, your tails, your lunars, your lunar specifically, v- I Valkyria. think has very, Oh, and Valkyria for sure. Yep. really dips into that, that trope soup, uh, you know, especially with teen stuff. This wasn't my least favorite of the possible sort of, uh, uh, certainly not mainly because Kanuka grabs that gun and charges full steam ahead. So, uh, okay. I mean, I have. Uh, this is a weird thing of 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 a trope where you have a character who is like so so focused on one thing, or maybe naive that they aren't focused on their shame. Right? This is a a thing that is, and I mean shame in the sort of like biblical sense of nudity, uh, or sense of nudity rather. Uh, and this is like a common thing. This is like a a, a way to get a character in a provocative sort of. Uh, situation mm-hmm. yeah uh I, it, it was funny because but prior to watching this episode i was watching uh uh deep space nine with my partner and a, and a, a very similar thing happens but the the reason it happens is because the character is implied to be sort of airheaded and and this is not what's happening with kanuka kanuka is reacting in a, a i would say overzealous way and and not caring about her her state which you know it can say a lot about her, but the reason it was written to do that was to put her in a situation where she would be nude. Why? Why is Nagumo here? To for the for the for the shtick. Yeah, I mean, I know that's why, but like, it still bothers me. Right. Well, but but that's why <laughs> yeah, is yeah, to yeah, yeah. to like. 
I mean, okay. So something we, we I don't know how much we've talked about it. Like, whereas the the episode three is a a kaiju film, uh, you know, sort of parody. This is a a murder mystery parody, right? And I think if you are someone who is looking for those like like flags, like Kanuka is at the end of the episode, like Nagumo being there is a big, big right, flag. right. So that's just for the shtick, right? Yeah. I, I, right. Yes, and and the the the, the same with the, the the man we hear like that was clear setup, right? Because that was a character that we hadn't met yet and hadn't been introduced and hadn't been set up, and so I'm like, okay, that was clearly someone doing a voice. In in the dub, they say the name as Jen. Oh, yeah, it threw me off too. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if Japanese has the hard G, the soft G like that. I, I think that in any case, I don't know. I actually don't know. So, um, uh, where are we even at? So we're after the bat scene. Oh, I was confused by the um, right. So we get Oda uh, dying. Yeah, he, he's he, something happens to Oda, and he's in red water. Um, and there's a a sort of Caddyshack scene where Goto tests the water and and, and tastes the the chocolate bar uh, uh, salt. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he describes that it was like a like paint or something. It, like he knows the taste of the. He bio. knows the exact thing. <laughs> it's like oh, it's a rare paint bullet paint for use of labor. And the, the the groundskeeper or whatever reacts or or uh, another character reacts in a way that yeah like, yeah. There's like a cadet or whatever who's helping Goto put on the shtick. Yeah. Um. And so Oda goes out and is haunted by a spooky ghost in the bathroom. It does some classic Japanese horror, um, uh, hair, hair and stuff, yeah. and long-haired spooky lady ghosts. Uh, and the the others. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So we cut back to the boys, uh, Azuma, uh, Yamazaki, and um, Shinshi. Shinshi. Yeah. Uh, Who's and- just getting? <laughs> so okay, this. I think this is one of the first times where we are coming across a a cultural sort of I want to say divide. Okay. Where I don't actually know if I am witnessing something that would be well known to a Japanese watcher who's like, "Oh yeah. Totally. This is just a thing you would do." So, Azuma's got Shinsei by the feet, yeah, and he's just sort of just smashing his groin, pounding his groin with, with his, his foot. foot, yeah. Um, and this is a, a maneuver I have never seen before. Um, it looks like it would hurt though, and it seems like this is some sort of like it seems like it's the equivalent of some sort of boyhood sort of like prank, like like short seating someone at camp or like like rat tailing someone in the shower or something like that. It seems like, but I'm sitting here, I'm like. This looks miserable. This looks like a horrible thing you're doing. Why are you torturing him like this? And and like I have to. Am I wrong? Are you, do am, is this some sort of thing that I, I am unfamiliar you, with this? I, I mean, like because the show treats this like something that should not be questioned. Like like no one at any point goes, "Why are you smashing his well, his dick with when, your foot like that?" When Shinji says. Like I'm a married, I'm a married man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had two questions, right? Because one of those is I'm a married man, so uh, traditional society expects me to have children. Have children, someday. and so yeah, you're yeah, interfering yeah. with my ability to have children. Sure. But alternatively, are you? Is this like? 
Is this some kind of sexual maneuver? Oh, some sort of like. Do people get off on being repeatedly kicked in the junk? Oh, I mean, you, sure. I mean, there you definitely have like like sub dom sort of situations sure. where you would have like like I I don't want to say mutilation in that sort of way, but there's a certain amount of like you I I, I can't speak to this because I'm not a member of either of these communities, yeah. but there's a certain amount of of I I think that, like domination there that like pain in that regard would be in a consensual yeah. you know sort of i mean during the bathtub scene too the, the shinshi who, who's only defining feature seems to be his yeah, state of being married he's set up to be shy is yeah. that you know he he you know uh, uh asuma is says like are you are we going to do this are we going to be you know uh, peeping toms and shinshi's like yeah and even though i'm married you know i'm still a i'm man. still a guy yeah and, and so I'm like, I still want to see some titty. And so like now, like I'm a married man is like just in in this context of you know what what will I do or not do? Sure. I don't know. It was weird, but anyway, they get spooked. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I just, Going back to Ignis's point, it wasn't the worst bath scene I've ever seen. No, by no, far. No. Yeah. It really. I mean, like because whenever I'm watching anime and there's a bath scene, I'm like, I, I brace myself. It's just like okay, like it, it's just it's based on the premise that like uh uh. uh Boys not respecting the privacy of girls is inherently hilarious, and like that's sort of like it. it right, it's it's letting it's it's the old age old tradition of letting men off the hook for taking responsibility for their actions. It's just like I don't know. I don't. There's a certain amount I I don't want to be wholly c- condemning of it, not hmm. because it's a acceptable in any regard, as much as it, there's like there's room in my life for a comedy, a raunchy comedy. It's just that this is so thoroughly it, it part of just the fabric of this style of thing that it, it is exhausting, yeah. that it's unquestioned and just a sort of hilarious premise in and of itself. Again, there's a world where, like, I don't necessarily like these the 80s raunchy comedies, like your Porky's and your 16 Candles and your th- that sort of thing. Like, I'm not a huge fan of that. But there's a world where I'm like, it's fine that it exists in a, like, sort of vacuum. It's just that this is treated as, like, the default way to treat people. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, that's where it gets, like... So, like, sometimes it's fine. Like, there's a world where I can see, like, characters I like, in like, rea- like interacting in this way where it's fun to watch from a, like, distance and, and like, and nod and say, like, yes, this is a funny thing for these cartoon characters to take part in. But obviously, I Real people don't do this. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. problem is because it's so ubiquitous, it's just exhausting to see over and over again. Um, but no, it's definitely not the worst. There's no one was like they didn't even, uh, uh, as far as I could tell, they weren't even necessarily trying to peep as much as they were kind of like in a listening, real, a grosser way, yeah. like listening. Like that's that's more where I was like, well, uh, just listen to them talk, and and I guess that'll be enough for yeah, us to imagine. Yeah, I guess like that's where. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, no. There's another. There's a why why do they ask yamazaki to like murder oda not uh, that I, i'm opposed to it i was fine with it so i didn't question yeah. it but i agree yeah, it was I odd i was like is oda, would oda just not be down i think oda listening? was a narc i think that's the yeah. i think that was the implication is okay. that oda would narc out to because he's a shit um but i don't know it's hard to say i i really don't know but yamazaki was like yes i will be party to sure this. yeah because he's a bro i don't know <laughs> like, i'm sorry yeah and he snaps his fucking neck and i'm like yes good job yamazaki. <laughs> Now finish the job. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they see a um, they see swamp thing piloted by a spooky scary skeleton sends shivers down my spine, and so the next day they just sort of start training. Uh, they don't really talk about it. 
I felt bad. I didn't realize Kanuka had to do this too. Like, it sucks that she's like an exchange employee and had to go. Like, she had nothing to do with this. She wasn't even on scene, as far as I could tell. Like, and she doesn't. Like, it's not Oda's uh, her fault that Oda has no self control and that Goda is a terrible boss. Azuma and Azumi um, bow out to go to the store and get some juice, and they meet the ghost. Uh, and the ghost gets them some juice. Uh, the uh, Azuma finds an old man, and and this is like these are all mystery or horror tropes, right? Like yeah. you know, like the the guy who knows the real story behind it all, and you know the the sort of mysterious and uh, 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 slightly alarming like locals kind of. Um, and they learn the story of the the pat the labor exercise that that caused and an accident that happened that caused the death of a girl and i'm really glad they didn't dramatize what what would happen to a human body when hit with a pat labor style bullet or even like a practice like to right me, i mean that was part of the point was it, that it was, it was a paint round but a paint round giant paint round at point blank range probably it, still gonna murder yeah you. it just seemed like oh no they had to like they they, they mentioned like oh the the pat the labor picked up her body and i was like what what would be left? Like, what? she would just be like a horrible pain. Yeah, you would just scoop up the earth yeah. underneath. Oh, and God, walk it out. would be yeah, awful. Yeah, it would not be great. It would be not great. Just a regular old can of blood yeah, soda. Yeah, seriously, six foot can of blood soda situation. <laughs> um, so, I'm glad I come to talk to you guys every week. <laughs> but uh, but uh, there's a line. Um, so the ghost story, Azuma and Azumi tell everyone the ghost story, and it bums everyone out. There's a really... As far as visuals go, really interesting looking scene where the sunset has turned everyone into the same shade of color and it's really moody, right? It's just everyone sort of just sitting around in a melancholic state. And so they call Shige, right? And so Shige comes up and Shige has the best monologue yet where he basically lays out how how much work he would have had to done in order to do this thing they're asking him to do. And it's like... How do I put this? The most engineer thing I've ever seen in my life, you know, because he still does it. He's, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But also, I still do have it. <laughs> it's the most engineer thing I've ever seen him do. Um, I mean, of course, this is all undermined by the fact that he's a he's a plant that that was meant to play this role. But it was still a good speech. Um, I do want to note down at this at this point in my in my first watch where I was doing my computer notes because I usually take notes yeah, as I yeah, watch yeah. along and then sort of rewatch it again. Right. At this note, at 2051, it seems like this is some kind of extended scared straight skit. But after the last episode's ending, it's hard to say because <laughs> at, at this point, so I, I wanted to talk lightly about spoilers here. I, I, I this isn't going to be an every episode thing, but I, I, I this is a good. This is a good point for me to do this. So, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm critically engaged with the work and, and I'm digesting what it's giving me. And so at this point of the show, I've, I've laid down my understanding of the text as it is. So, you know, we know now that 20, me, this Adam from the past who wrote down this time code of 2051 in the episode is, is completely correct. And, and you know, it absolutely. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn here. What I'm, I'm saying is that these sorts of reveals and twists and turns and stuff like that are – when you understand, like, structure and intention and framing and all that stuff, the, the twists can be fun, right? But they're also – only so many you can really actually do that are like part of the reason why the the episode three one is such a like it it is a twist but it's not really one worth like i don't want to say praising but like acknowledging is because there's no way there's no way to guess that's what 
is going to happen at yeah, the end. Yeah, there's yeah. no nothing in the text that would lead you to that conclusion. Yeah, this is where I'll jump in with my example of this other show they want to bring up. Yeah, then, please. All right, so first two seasons of Sherlock, I really enjoyed. At this the time. is BBC, BBC Sherlock. 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 Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed the first two seasons. As the show continued, I aggressively began to dislike the show. The show, as it continued, would construct these hour-long, no, hour-and-a-half-long episodes that were incredibly complex in structure. Yeah. Stephen Moffat's the showrunner, creator. yes. Time and time again, it's almost as if he wanted to pat himself on the back for how inventive he seemingly was, how smart he seemingly is. Yes, and better than the source material and the people who are watching. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it is so incredibly frustrating to watch. Yeah. This episode is needlessly complex. It's shitty in a lot of other regards, too, but I could not... It slid off me immediately. The whole... The one-upmanship... And I sometimes even have problems with some Phoenix Wright cases, for example. Right. Especially if I take an extended pause in between chapters, I completely lose the thread of what was going on. Sometimes there's an internal sense of one-upmanship that I can't keep track of. So, and this... We'll talk about why else I think it's shitty, too, but this... It's, it's amateurish writing. It's, it's so fucking forced. So, I... I okay. I agree with you. I, I think that seasons one and two are much... Not my favorite uh, seasons of television, but I enjoy them. I think what, what you happen... What you get with that particular show, with what you're talking about there, is a, a sort of, like, accidental... It, it didn't need to be anything in its first two seasons other than flashy reinterpretations of Sherlock Holmes. And then they started to try and make it this, like... It was at first episodic, and then they tried to make it an overarching thing, and it, and it falls apart. One, because, like, Moffat can't... It seems like in Sherlock, in the writing of Sherlock, I'm, I'm framing it all in this way, that Moffat can't get around his own ego with, with regards to the material. It, it seems like he's much more concerned with proving how much more clever he is than a good mystery than, you know just adapting like sure it seems like a lot of it is a reaction to fandom like i'm I'm thinking season three specifically i to be completely honest did not watch season four at all like season three i has, bounced off after the christmas special myself like the, the the proof to this is really the first episodes of season three where um the writing of the show is completely uh contemptuous of the idea that it needs to explain itself at all like i I encourage people – I don't like these hour-long screed videos, but I do encourage people, if you're concerned about this topic at all, to watch H-Bomber Guy's video about Sherlock. It pretty much sums up everything that, that Stephen Hero was just talking about in a way that is entertaining, if a little bit – anyway, H-Bomb's video is good. His other stuff is good. Check him out. Um, I, know, I have this problem, too, with postmodern literature, some postmodern literature as well. It's so concerned with style over substance. Sometimes they pull it off. Sometimes they don't. So, Not to say that this is a particularly postmodern work, but this needless complexity fucking sucks. So the thing that you're getting close to a little bit is, is talking about, and it's something that's coming up a lot recently because of the Game of Thrones finale, is, is like the sort of like race to be subversive. As, as audiences are getting more like savvy they're they're picking up on recurring ideas and and thinking how use of those specific ideas is what's wrong that's that makes a thing boring rather than the it, it, the fact is that like when you're telling a story there really are this is a, a trite idea that you'll hear about in in very early english classes that there are only so many kinds of stories in the world this is an ancient greek idea um but it, there's there's an element of truth to it in in that like 
if your if your concern is novelty and only novelty, you're not going to be satisfied. Like that, it's just not really what makes a, a work good. Is that the idea is new because. A lot of bad things are new. You can come up with, with nonsense and it's brand new, but that doesn't make it good. What makes it good is that it's well executed. And to sort of pivot back to what I was talking about with, with spoilers, um, I, I enjoyed this, the final scenes a lot because of how they were executed. But, you know, the, the, so the me guessing how it happened doesn't make what breaks down bad because all I've done is pick up on, the, the text of the episode. And that doesn't make it bad that I guessed it. It makes it that I guessed it, that I'm savvy, that I'm, a, I'm acknowledging my, my, my position here as an audience member who has seen other things. I'm aware that this thing is fiction. So it's more important that to, to engage with it and how it breaks down and not have a wrestling contest with it to guess which one of us is smarter, which is, it seems like how a lot of people engage with fiction. You know, even though this episode is stupid because it frames everything around a, a weirdly complicated hoax to get characters to care about something they absolutely should care about if they're going to serve in this function. Like if I, if this was like like if this was Gundam Wing and like uh, Lady Un took trays and and the Roma Feller people out and made them do a haunted house story to make them learn that war is bad like i would love that because it's so because i'm already in on how absurd those characters are and i'm in love with but because like these characters are are, are a little bit flat and archetypal like I, I can't get into the fun of like like you brought up the haruhi episode which is similar to this where instead of trying to teach some kind of lesson they're they're just doing it for fun they're just doing it for fun yeah yeah um uh and and like for in that episode it's really easy to let yourself get invested in the individual characters playing their roles and and there's an element of like oh you, there really might be something happening here and our characters might be kind of in danger um and and like this episode has a hard time like really convincing me of that and a big part of it is because i don't i don't particularly care for the characters at all like they really haven't they they're they've taken for granted the audience's investment in the characters here and like part of that is just like I acknowledge is it just accepting what kind of show it is. You know, it's not the sort of show where you're supposed to like really care about how Azuma, Izumi, Goto, Oda, or Yamazaki or Shinsi feel. Like that's not the point. The point is that they are structures meant to deliver certain like like reactions that we all know ahead of time before it happens. So yeah, there's a Sherlock Holmes scene. Um, I, I don't. I feel like that's it, right? We cut straight from learning that there was a ghost in the machine that Shige set up to uh, yeah, because then Asuma does his recitation of the story that's been given to him, uh, and then and reveals the evidence that they right found. the evidence that they were pretty much was laid out for them right, and then Clancy is like, no, Kanuka rightly points out yeah. like. You, you you guys are uh, making a lot of assumptions <laughs> and are, are really not very observant of the facts. Um, and I liked that bit. I really like Kanuka. I'm a, okay. I love procedurals. I love mystery shows. I, I love the shit. Put it in my veins. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the best part. This is why you're in it is for this breakdown for the character to reveal the 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 conclusions that they brought to and to reveal the truth. And so I was invested in this part, but. Like it, 
so and I'll even say I laughed when um uh Goto's niece is revealed and she's like, Sorry, uncle. I she was too tough. She's too good. <laughs> and 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 Goto like like Goto getting up and is doing his little half bound go man. And, and and everyone just throwing shit at him is really funny in a show where I I like was like yes I love these characters if this was like Brooklyn Nine Nine or The Office or something like yes that would be really really funny, um but I'm just not there <laughs> you know like right why 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 are you saying sorry the message is still vital and important and necessary well there was a, a <sighs> like I there was a second so the the last shot of the episode is is the niece um kind of like becoming the ghost that that she was pretending to be in that one shot and being like don't shoot um and there was a second where i was i thought they were going to reinforce that this like worked right that there was this i i thought we were going to get a reverse shot of oda with the gun yeah and like like you know sort of like uh, like a, a, a look of shock or realization and that being sort of a like okay this was very silly but at least right and also I mean it would make sense too because Oda was the one who saw the ghost right, so exactly. it would have been set up for this and it, it would have paid off really well like I, I really feel like I, I almost felt like when I guessed that this was some kind of scared straight thing I thought literally everyone was in on it but Oda that was my initial thought was like this is all for Oda's benefit but I mean like I don't know I don't know how much I can hold that against the show in a, an objective way. I can only hold it in a personal opinion. Like, I don't like that it broke down this way because I, I think he should care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had... These are two very silly episodes. Like... Yeah. It's it's just too bad. Like, I really feel like this is the sort of thing that we would otherwise be celebrating if we enjoyed the characters or the framing. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, here's the thing. I mean, I was thinking about if we... If, if, we did this with one of the other shows that we watched. Now, you, I think this you, would be an awesome Genlock episode. It was super Genlock episode because, like, yeah, it's like Gundam Wing. It would be good for the complete absurdity. Yes, sure, sure, sure. But it, it would be sincerely good because it would be like the ether episode that we were begging for. Yeah, exactly. Right? It would be they went into the ether and they got stuck there, and now there's a murder mystery episode yeah, it, to get out. Exactly. It would be it would be good. I right, love it. Right. And um, it turns out to be a Doctor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure, exactly. Sure. No, that would be great. But like with with this, I think for the reasons that you were going into in regards to our relationship to the characters there's there's nothing to grab onto except the comedic bits which is why i think we we talk about things like the series of planes in episode three and those moments is what they're going for that yeah. i think the comedy is you know the primary aim but you know outside of that like if the comedy isn't working then it's really cratering right i think you know this is a part of the thing. Like, there's there's a world where I take a step back and I and I sort of take a look at what they're attempting to do, and I acknowledge that I think that they were successful in both episodes of like crafting a parody of the things that they were trying to parody in the the context of cops with mechs. I, I think they did that. It, they successfully did it in both those episodes. But for me, like. Episode three is like uh, like a gimme just because I'm a huge kaiju fan. Right. I just recognize you're literate with that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So like, there's I just like kaiju, so I like that. And the ending was so absurd that I almost like like that was what I liked about it. I didn't think that that joke was funny. I I appreciated it from a Stephen hero. Like it also made me sort of think of Frankenstein sort of thing. So it failed in that that the punchline of the episode completely fails. Um, and then in episode four. It was the opposite thing where I, I'm a huge fan of of procedurals and, and mystery shows and but because I just don't care about 
these guys in, in Unit 2, other than Nagumo and Kanuka, and Nagumo's not even in Unit 2. Um, and I'm actually, I'm still sort of frustrated with how Nagumo and Kanuka are kind of the same character. Like, that, it still sucks. Um, it, it just, Episode 4 really, because of the thing it was trying to do, really needs you to care more about the characters than, than the show has successfully accomplished thus far. Um, something I should admit to here, and because of the way I've been watching the show, I'm actually, I have not seen the preview for the next two episodes yet. Mm. So I have no idea what we're in for for the next two episodes. But it seems like this might be, let's, I'm very curious to see what these next two episodes yeah. are like. I, I will say that for me, watching the preview for episode five was the most fun part of episode four. Uh, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it as, you know, the person who's been probably the, the toughest so far. I, I was like, oh, maybe they're actually going to do something. Yeah. So one of my issues, I think I'm slight, I, I agree with all your complaints. I think I'm slightly warm on the show overall. Number one, I don't think, again, I want to keep it slice of life as realistic as possible, so to speak. I would have dumped the tendency to make every standalone episode like, let's explore a new genre. I don't think that fits the tone personally of the show, and I would have avoided that. I am curious if the TV show, which I really don't want to wade into anytime soon, you know, 52 episodes, if it's more like a police procedural. I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I do wish we had more character beats as well, or we got to know these characters, or some of these characters were either eliminated or more fully formed. I definitely agree with that. I just I should say also I think there's a world where you don't necessarily have to do that. I just think that that this is why episode four didn't work for me. Like I I think it a uh, like when you episode four really didn't work for me because you're making a joke about guns and guns aren't a joke. That right. was, and I, at that point I slid right off it that, and it was so needlessly complex too. That, well, that's what ultimately what I'm saying is like like there's a world where this whole setup works. It works perfectly well in Harry. There are whole shows that are about this. Like Detective Conan is. Every episode, you meet brand new characters who you have no investment in. One of them dies, and you have to figure out a mystery with them. Yeah. Um, but the reason that works is because you always have parties or, or, or members of like the main cast who are invested in that mystery in some way also. So when you have no characters to latch onto, and there are no stakes. And so this whole murder mystery is predicated on you finding the tropes that are used funny, like like maybe you, the the hair thing is a, a scene that I would recognize more um, if I was of the time or something like that. Um, obviously, there are things that I could, you know, just from being someone who's savvy in Japanese pop media in general. Like, there's general stuff that you recognize. Um, uh, I liked the swamp thing labor with the skele- spooky, scary skeleton. The the show has, uh, uh, especially in episode four, has displayed like an incredible amount of arrogance in its its the way it sort of approaches the topic. It really feels like it's above the the way that that Goto puts the Mazinger Z and the 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 you know the, those things on blast. To me, it feels like the point of what they were making, like what they really wanted to put out there, and like that's so. Like in 2019 specifically, and I don't know how much of this is time, but and, I'm but, sure Oshii, especially now in his 50s, kind of looks back on that and shakes his head, like what were like we were 25 year old firebrands wanted to show ourselves as something different. I would hope that he would look back at some something so heavy handed and arrogant as that. Like, mm. it's just so like to to do that, and then for your whole shtick for two episodes in a row so far to be leaning on other successful things is like. Mm, not a great look. Like, yeah. and it's it's interesting that other stuff that I've written about this new show it don't doesn't seem to engage with that. You know that that how much it's like 
I feel like there are many people who would, who would argue that we're we're looking at this with a, a lens that is too serious, but it's hard for me to to put that stuff aside. Specifically, like the whole gag about like the guns thing. Like Oda should take guns more seriously. He should be fired. Yeah, so should Oda, Oda should be in jail. Like that that really is all there is to it. Like it's not even. It basically doesn't matter that Sakaki loaded a blank into that first bullet because of the damage that the building underwent. Like all, the, the, all those VHS cassettes gone. Yeah, dead forever. Um, so yeah, we got two more episodes to go next week, and it seems like it's going to be taking things a little bit more seriously. And maybe, maybe this is where the show will find yeah. its like comfy space. Because you know? I, I remember we're going to make our way to uh, the movies, uh, which I do think we right now our short term plan, of course, is to uh, you know at some point do those Pat Labor movies. I think within, yes. within the summer season, mm-hmm. uh, and of course the Pat Labor movies. I mean, we have a stack of of hot criticism for Pat Labor too that Mister Hero has provided to us. I'm, so these these, I mean, I think the I'm. I am confident that this premise will deliver. It's not delivering right now, but... There are no laughs in the movies. It's played yeah, straight. Right. Yeah, that's probably better, though. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So like, I, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I just, like, I don't know. It feels like we're watching Full Metal Panic Fumofu before we're watching Full Metal Panic, in a way. But even that, I think, would be much more enjoyable. Yeah, but Fumofu's funny. Fumofu is so funny. Um, I can't wait. That's... That's on the docket. Like, yeah, that's yeah. a mech show. Compared, yeah. that, that, no anime has actually made me laugh more than Fumofu. The humor translates so well, personally speaking. <sighs> Fumofu definitely has made me laugh. Um, Fully Cooly has made me laugh. Let's see. There's definite, like, I mean, Cowboy Bebop has um, the mushrooms. Episodes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The mushrooms mushroom episode sound, uh, is extremely funny. Uh, Toys in the Attic kills me. Yeah, Toys in the Attic is extremely funny. Or even the, uh, is it the first, the first episode with Ayn is a pretty... Oh yeah, Straight like, Dog Strut. Yeah, it's pretty good comedy, sort of, like, I, I agree with you though, that Fumofu, like, the rugby episode is a classic, like... like Just a, the animation too. An all-time, I like, PMC. Oh, the bear the, costume. I, the shampoo baseball episode. Yes, yeah. okay, a good, yeah, uh, horror he's made me laugh. Yeah, um, he's good. Jeez. Uh, I think as far as, like, comedy, comedy, I mean, like... I think a lot of the time I think of um, like panty and stocking and, and oh you know Lupin a little bit oh hell yeah yeah, yeah Lupin yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but no I, I agree with you there's a lot of cool. tropes in Japanese anime or anime in general I should say tends to slide off me sometimes some things I'll laugh like not like really heartily laugh like the character who really loves food I will usually laugh at but I won't like burst out guffawing because I've right. seen this trope a lot you, but it's endearing it's, I enjoy that yeah you have a lot of um, sensible chuckles there's that, some of it's like, lost in translation too different cultural sensibilities well I think for, for uh, this particular table you happen to have three three folks who are fond of wordplay and, and Japanese and, and anime in particular a lot of humor is just sort of wordplay you just have to say like that that's and what it I doesn't th- usually translate well either. it's very absurd it's you, like you, especially through our ears like right. baseball card I thought you meant pickle right yes that's a great example but the like you know often if you're the sort of just like a curious person you're just like what, what's the joke here and you look it up and then you and I'm like oh okay I see how that's funny but that's not yeah. you, that's not laugh out loud funny that's just like oh haha sensible chuckle um, but yeah hopefully <laughs> hopefully next week there'll be a lot less um, attempts at sensible chuckles and, and we'll see what the, the next I'm, I'm, I'm scared of more beach house I, I like I'm scared of the I, I thought the kaiju thing was going to play into the Babylon project in mm-hmm. some way and yeah. it did not no. which is fine I guess yeah, yeah. Um, but I imagine that's what we'll be hearing yep. about in five and six any uh, any last words before I get into my escape pod to escape the TLJ discourse so yeah I can, hear, let's, I can hear the furious typing of keyboards mechanical keyboards clicking and clacking oh my goodness let's let's get out of here yeah, right I got a bad feeling about this.
Steven, you got this. Uh, you got the the welcome to machinations. You want? You got the. For, for I'll, try, yeah, I'll try. Yeah, you'll do it. Yeah, I mean, you, you knock welcome to machinations. A critical. Uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Critical I'm, rewatch and discussion podcast. I don't have the words exactly down, but damn it, the intense there. Yeah, exactly right. Use that. I mean, here's the thing. Um, we, we, we aren't just an anime podcast. We're, we're going to be talking about stuff that isn't anime technically. So I, we can definitely, I think it's fair to say, uh, I think critical analysis and rewatch is fine. I think it, Mecca is fine. I also think it's fine if we're, we're not 100% consistent. Yeah, with, I, I'm, I'm not worried about being consistent. Yeah, no. So, you know, I, if, if, um, uh, if, if you want to try the intro, uh, uh, go for it. If at any point you're like, I, I, I'm fine doing it. I have no problem with with fucking up and and being on the blooper reel every single time. I have no problem <laughs> with that. So yeah, whenever you're ready. All right. Welcome to Machinations. Ugh, fuck. I'm going yep, back. Yep. 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 We're Welcome to Machinations. A critical rewatch and fuck. fuck, fuck. <laughs> a critical analysis and fuck podcast. Keep I, this one. <laughs> put this one in. Steven Hero, would you die for Machinations? <laughs> <laughs> It would be magnificent. <laughs> it would be glorious. <laughs>